the humanists are firmly convinced that existing acquisitive and profit-motivated society has shown itself to be inadequate and that a radical change in methods, controls, and motives must be instituted. A socialized and cooperative economic order must be established to the end that the equitable distribution of the means of life be possible. The goal of humanism is a free and universal society in which people voluntarily and intelligently cooperate for the common good. Humanists demand a shared life in a shared world. Uh, uh, Josh, what do you think about this? I, 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 I'm kind of torn whether this is, uh, is quite similar to a communistic or a socialistic approach or whether this is just like, uh, just like we should have more societal charities. I'm, I'm kind of torn between whether this is like uh, a reformulation or summarization of like a socialistic principle or whether they actually mean equitable in the sense that we should just have everyone sharing every profit or whether we should say that the capitalism is wrong. I think that's very confusing. I, yeah, I, suppose. I, I think I, that the problem with using equity is that it has two different meanings. It's like equality of opportunity or equality of outcome. I, I feel like this one, in, in, in this, it's quite clearly that it's talking about equality of outcome because it yeah. says equitable distribution of the means of life. And I guess there's this tremendous, this tremendous appeal in, in such. Mm -hmm. I, I guess in, in such a such a vision of society but yes mm -hmm. i think it's just well, significantly flawed i suppose like in both senses in their first critique of the the profit motivated society is inadequate i don't think it has showed itself to be inadequate in fact i think that every single capitalist country has developed significantly quicker and more beneficial than any socialistic model and even the socialistic countries have moved towards the capitalistic model as well which does seem well, well, to suggest I think, that intrinsically I think we also have to consider the historical background here. So maybe give mm -hmm. it more of a benefit of a doubt. Because if it's mm -hmm. published in 1933, then it's just after or still during the it, it's still during the Great Depression. And I think it's true. It's at mm -hmm. the, it's at the height of the Great Depression here. So, mm -hmm. so, so, so one can give it more of a benefit of a doubt here, mm -hmm. but still. I, let's just take, I just want to dissect the last line. It says, the goal of humanism is a free and universal society in which people voluntarily and intelligently cooperate for the common good. I feel like it has too, too rosy a view of human nature. Or, or, or you can't have a free and universal society and then also have people voluntarily and intelligently cooperating for the common good. In the sense that I, I find, I feel like one, there has to be an element of indoctrination well, you you won't get people to to do that, or or you need an element of religion in it, which they, they would say is, they may say is a form of despotism. Yeah, I think that's a fundamental problem here. Is that I think it's subject to the Marxian problem of this idea that we should just have we should have kind of this sense of equality throughout kind of society, and I think this idea of freedom. And also equity is just un unobtainable because in order to be free, you must be able to have differences in every sense yeah. of the word of a difference. But then that's just perhaps, and that's why I think freedom and there's, there has not been, and especially now that we've observed through history, there has not been a single system which has balanced freedom and also uh, equality of outcome. Those two things has never been able to work together it has been tried multiple times in the past but it has never been able to be achieved 
wherever there was also, freedom, there was uh, yeah. different shit. And I, I just want to interject that it's very dangerous to to use words like freedom, it's because you, you you never know what what another person would would take it to mean. For example, Marxists um, says make make freedom a, a very different thing to to the conventional view of, of viewing freedom. We see freedom as mm -hmm. freedom of opportunity, just doing it, uh, just to be able to do anything we want, but not not trans not not having the right to well in some sense our freedom is always regulated uh to, to the extent that we we cannot we we don't have the freedom to to kill other people or to uh to still uh to still take their property etc but but this I've, i read this essay from isaiah berlin and he delineated two separate forms of freedom there, there's uh, throughout the history of philosophy there's negative freedom the, the freedom that we were talking about the sort of uh, traditional british liberal view of free freedom and then there's also the 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 idea of positive freedom that you are only free if 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 you are completely rational and you do everything i guess i guess you do everything for your best interest but then you yourself is your yourself is it's essentially conflicted and you you have all these different desires and they might be bad for you and then it may be you may be more free if other people's controlling you or other people's telling you what to do to do and that's another form of freedom which is rather convincing too so whatever i feel like it is also confused because it's using all these words without without really defining it but i guess it's it's in the nature of a manifesto and in length that that there's going to be such faults yeah mm -hmm. i think that's definitely one point of it and and I suppose you can, but then to, I, I understand that we should give this the benefit of the doubt, but I think nevertheless, we can see that it, with with the benefit of the doubt, we can see that at the time, this could have been a reasonable, at least this premise could be a reasonable thing to look at. But, at, but then now given our current society or the, our current situation, there is fundamentally a problem with the, there's fundamentally a problem with this view because it's just never being able to be, to achieve it's the idea that this idea of profit motivated market is is inferior to this equity motivated market is just an un, it's an unachievable or or is just a, a flawed kind of notion in general i suppose and given our historical understanding that we have now instead of just saying focus on them at the time like if we take it out of its historical context i think we could still figure out the premises of flawed kind of notion that shouldn't be followed yeah, and and then just giving another bit of social commentary, I guess. Uh, whenever whenever people call for sort of radical reform or revolution, I I, I find I find it quite, I guess, quite quite narcissistical or egotistical, in the sense that one cannot, although every system is it's flawed to some sense. It's very difficult for one to to rebuild a system and 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 improve it. Essentially, we talked about this in the first video. And most of the times, after revolution, th there's no improvement. It's just a complete drop drop to the bottom. 
and mm-hmm. and I think like uh, there's there's no real communism. Well, I just find it. Uh, Jordan Peterson said that when people say there's no real communism, they're basically saying, well, uh, all the all the people in the past who who's wielded power. They did not actually understand the actual principle of communism. And if I was there, I w- I wouldn't have killed twenty million people like like uh, Stalin or Mao did. And I would have made uh, made uh, my country the best best place in the entire world. And I I find it quite quite impossible. Mm-hmm. Completely agree with you on that point. And and I think that there is no real communism. That critique could almost go to as a response to almost absolutely every single critique you hold against any situation in the sense that there is no real d- d- democracy. Like imagine if someone critiqued against the democratic system, like, oh, they got in Trump, and then you just responded, there is no real democracy. Then it's like, yes, by definition, there is no real embodiment of the democratic principles. But at the same time, that doesn't detract from the way that that is the most practical way of realizing or establishing the democratic principles that you got out in that situation, if you see what I mean. So. There's kind of this idea that you're not meant to be critiquing or you shouldn't critique something on the face value that you say there is no real something because it has been tried multiple times. It's failed every single time you tried it. It failed in achieving it, which does suggest that not only is there a problem with the ultimate end goal, but there is also a problem with the methodology of achieving that end goal. And that doesn't And the fact that you can't achieve something doesn't necessarily mean that your end goal is all good. It means that your end goal is completely unobtainable and it's just a flawed construct, which is true for almost every single system in the world. But then some systems just have so much inherent problems, which are emphasized when you're trying to embody in reality. And of course, there's a question about whether Stalin, whether Mao and whether like Lenin tried to achieve communism or not. But then at the same time, it's like, well, Lenin seems to have generally tried to achieve some sense of communism. He tried with war communism, failed that, went to the NEP, and then they tried to do another sense of kind of development of this communistic principle. And then you could see Khrushchev trying to increase social equity. But then this entire development of this kind of communist principle throughout the ages just seems to be wrought with these kind of problems of both practicality and and kind of social kind of problems which arise from every single area. So it doesn't seem explicit to me that there is any kind of, there is no real communism kind of applies to the problem that we have with the applicability of communism or the goal towards it. I think if it's failed every time you try it and it's failed in a horrible, devastating way, the the most obvious thing to do is just don't try it again. Like if you try to make a nuclear bomb and it blows up every single time you're trying to make it, it doesn't tell you try to continue making nuclear bombs. I mean, I mean that's just not the right way you're meant to go around doing things. If it's failing every time you're trying to do something, stop trying to do that something. Yeah, and and I completely agree. And just to add to that, I think it's just such a weak argument. <laughs> you can, as you said, you can use it on anything. You can say there's no real fascism. You're like. Well, Hitler, Mussolini, uh, they did fascism wrong. It would have been a paradise if, if they if they did it right. You can also say that there's no real capitalism to critiques of uh, of, of capitalism, critics of capitalism, and you can also say uh, when when people's criticizing Christianity, you can just say there's no real Christianity. Then, well, at least point one to an instance where there was a real thing, and then we can start talking. Then, if if we're just talking about these 
uh, I guess, constructs in your mind. I think there's there's a line from the Humanist Manifesto that's very, very relevant here. It says, we assume that humanism will take the path of social and mental hygiene and discourage sentimental and unreal hopes and wishful thinking. Well, that's exactly what what what, what it is when, when you say there's no real communism.